welcome. So glad you chose to worship with us today. Um, I'm going to, you notice that it's been a little different order, and we did that to try to give the missionaries a little more time today. Um, and so I'm in charge of announcements because everybody knows I'm no fun and I can do them very quickly. So <laughs> thank you, whoever supports me back there. I appreciate that. So uh, I do have a few things that I want us to be aware of. And so on October 28th, that's this upcoming Saturday, we are going to have our trunk or treat. And that's just a goal of, uh, you know, there's certain times of year where kids are already excited and, and uh, we want to use that opportunity to try to introduce them to Christ and, uh, and to our church and, and try to have some follow-ons where we can use that type of event and, and maybe help a family take a step of faith. And so uh, if you are signed up for a trunk, then see the children's ministry leaders through those doors at the desk, and uh, they have some things to communicate to you, and I know they'll have other follow-on communication. Uh, we also, as you notice, last week and this week, we had the Missouri Mission offering video, and so our missions team has set a goal of $5,000, and so in your bulletin, you'll notice the Missouri Mission offering uh, envelope, and so you can put a donation in there if the Lord leads you. And then if you want to know what it goes to, we have a little description paper as well that can help you know some of the types of things that it goes to uh, in, in Missouri. Uh, we did have our uh, missionaries to Senegal, Brad and Deb Mashburn, and so they're going to also be here tonight from 6 to 7. I know he mentioned it, but uh, it'd be wonderful if you come out, support them, hear of the other things the Lord is doing. And so if you didn't catch that, it's just in room 401. So if you just went out these doors, it's the room across the hall, and that's at 6 o'clock. And then next Sunday is a big Sunday. We are ordaining or officially ordaining Daryl Johnson to the gospel ministry. And yeah, praise God for that. So I'm just really excited about it. I think it's going to be just a, a powerful Sunday, uh, just an awesome moment how God has raised up someone in our church and called him to the ministry. Uh, and I don't believe that's la the last time. I think there will probably be uh, other people that you're sitting here in church and God calls you to be a missionary or to be a pastor or something like that. And so love to do that. But that'll be next week. And if you want to bless them, I know, I don't know all the logistics. As you can imagine, they kept me out of the pastor appreciation logistics. So I don't know where these buckets are uh, or baskets, whatever they are. But um, if you want to bless Daryl's family um, because of the ordination as well, you could just go ahead and put it in that bucket too. Um, so that's next Sunday. And then um, November 4th is the men's breakfast, so I am speaking at that. Um, it's a good time to just uh, get together with some men. Uh, to, we're going to hear from the Word. I'm going to try to preach an encouraging message of faith and, and a charge. Um, and if you don't come, then I'll eat the bacon portion that was for you. Um, you can register online, and it does really help them plan for food if you'll do that, register online. And then November 5th, we're starting something new. It's called Pizza with a Pastor. And so this will be an opportunity if um, maybe you've been here for a while and you've never gotten to talk with me or my family and you've just always thought about coming up, but it seemed like it was crowded up front and so you didn't. Well, this is an opportunity for you. Or if you're new to the church and you're just interested and uh, I'd like to ask some questions, things like that, it's a good opportunity. Now, that doesn't mean you have to go to this one. We're going to try to always have these right before uh, anytime we have a membership class, so we'll have pizza with the pastor, and then we'll have uh, in a Sunday or two later, we'll have a membership class. So a couple opportunities, uh, we'll, we'll try to do those quarterly or at least once a semester, things like that. Uh, but that's an opportunity for you, and you can register for that online as well. Um, and it, as I always say, if you're a paper person, then you could always just rip out this tab, 
fill it out, and then mark your, your information, that, what thing you want to go to. And if there's nothing to mark, then just write it in there, and, and we'll figure it out. So that's always an option as well. All right, enough announcements. Was I two minutes or less? I, I hope I was. Let's go ahead and start in James. We're going to be in James chapter 1. And I'm going to do a, a quick just catch us up with the things we've been talking about. And so in James chapter 1, we learned about the 12 tribes that are dispersed. And these are Christian Jews who are no longer in Israel, but they are scattered. It says dispersed abroad. And so they're not in their homeland. They're, they're in foreign nations, Palestine. They're in Assyria, places like that. They've been scattered due to no, numerous historical events that have scattered the Jewish people. So he's writing to them. And yet in verses 2 through 4, he tells them to consider it a joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. So when we covered this, we talked about how we can have joy in a trial, but there's, there's a condition there. If you catch it in verse 4, it says, and let endurance have its full effect. Because what I could do when I go through a trial, what I could do is I could push God away. I could get mad at God and try to go through the trial without him, frustrated, angry at God. But I could do the other thing and I could let endurance have its full effect. And then the outcome of that is maturity, being complete, lacking nothing, that I grow in the faith. And as I grow in the faith, that's how I can consider it a great joy that I grow through a trial. And then he adds to that, and he says in verse 5, look at verse 5 with me. It says, Now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. Now this verse, again, is not in a vacuum. It's not just saying, ask for any type of wisdom and it will be given, although there are certain passages, and I covered some of those uh, last week, that that sure, there's ways to gain spiritual wisdom through reading the Word, through holiness, things like that. But this is talking specifically about wisdom during a trial. So I'm going through something difficult, and I want to know to God, why? Why did you let this happen? Well, this says, now if any of you lacks wisdom, he should ask God, who gives to all generously and ungrudgingly, and it will be given to him. So there's this promise. Not only can I have joy in a trial, I can have wisdom in a trial. But again, there's a condition. Look at verse 6. But let him ask in faith, without doubting. So this isn't faith that says, I trust that everything's going to work out perfectly. It's faith that says, I'm going to trust God whether or not it works out for me. So I could have joy in a trial if I don't push God away. I could have wisdom in a trial if I trust God. And now as we get to verse 9, our text for today, we're going to see one of the trials that is of the utmost in the forefront of their mind. These Jewish Christians who have been scattered abroad, who oftentimes face poverty, and as we'll see as we go through the book of James, they not only face poverty, they face some rich people, and this isn't a, a message against rich people. I think God is uh, perfectly content with people who work hard and are good stewards. In fact, I think those types of things are commanded. But he is against the idolatry and the evilness or the corruption that sometimes can accompany wealth. And you're going to see in the book of James as we go through it that they have some very corrupt rich people. And so these Christians, these Jewish Christians who are not in their own land, 
They're in poverty. They're in humble circumstances, as it's going to say in a second. They're also facing off against rich people who are hard to them, who are difficult to them, who maybe even persecute them. So let's look at James chapter 1 and look at verse 9 with me, please. James chapter 1 verse 9 says this, let, there's again our conditional word, let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation. Now this is an interesting phrase saying, let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation. Because what is he talking about? These brothers in humble circumstances are not being exalted by earthly means. They're, ca- they're scattered abroad. Their poverty is not going away. You can't say, well, wait for this future date and everything's going to work out. In fact, Israel is at war today. When we say, let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, we can't necessarily be talking about earthly things. I want to begin this by asking you, what do you determine, or how do you determine success in your life? You. You personally. When you think of your life and you just think, this is what it would look like for me to have success, for me to be in a position that I'm, I'm trying to achieve what I'd like to achieve. We're talking today about status and the path to the most important status. Now, when I was a kid, I was under the delusion that I was good enough at sports to play professionally. Um, I, blame, uh, I blame the culture that uh, let me watch sports all the time and think I could do that. It turns out I couldn't. But I remember thinking that if, if I were to, if you were just to ask a, a 15-year-old Obi, a 16-year-old Obi, what would you like to do? Where, what would you like to achieve? I'd like to go play in the NBA. Okay, you're lacking a few things, but, but great, right? But to me, in my mind, that would have been status. That would have been the thing to achieve, that, that I get to go play a professional sport, make all sorts of money, have all that fame. That sounded great. And to, that's my job as I get to play basketball. That sounded wonderful to me. Now, I remember in high school, there was this football player. I'm not going to tell you who he is, but uh, he was this guy that if you just said, I think it was high school, maybe as a young adult, but if you just said, like, who's the guy that's just this prima donna, that he seems to have all the status, all the accolades, like he's successful, but, but he's just living in success and eating it up, I would have said, this guy. This guy that Maybe a lot of people want to be like him, but it seems a little bit like fame has gone to his head, that this status, this success, this money has gone to his head, I would have said, this guy. In fact, he was known, I'm not going to tell you what he did because you'd figure it out, and my goal is not to call out a person from the pulpit, but he was known for certain celebrations after he scored that really just were arrogant and rubbed it in the nose of other people. But then, about a week or two ago, I heard an interview of him. And he's sitting there talking about his first couple years in his sport. And, you know, you'd think this guy, he wasn't making the superstar money yet, but he's making good money. And you'd have thought, well, he's he's just living wild and partying and, and has all this money and just doing everything he could ever want. Well, he said, actually, for the first entire year, he lived at the practice facility. Not because he couldn't afford a place, but because he wanted to dedicate himself to his sport. And then, not only that, they talked about, well, yeah, but you had all these chains and diamonds and things like that. He said, they're all fake. Every single one of them, they were all fake. Why would I want to spend money on that? So here's this guy who had this persona of status, and yet the actual status was a bit of an illusion. 
Because we think this is the guy who he'd go and, and he'd probably have a mansion and all these cars and, and all this stuff that you could think that he, anybody in his position would want. That wasn't him. He was actually making great sacrifices to be successful at his sport. His status was an illusion. Now here's what I want to say to you as we transition into these verses and thinking spiritually. Sometimes the things that we think are status are just an illusion. They are not actual wealth. They are not actually the thing that will make us happy. They're not the thing that will provide satisfaction, and they will not last. So I want you to evaluate yourself this morning as we think through these verses. What for you would determine success? What for you is status? That if I just had this house or this car or this position, this title, this job, this spouse, these kids that went to this school, that got this degree that I could brag about and and feel so proud. If I just had this, that would be the status that would make me happy. What I'm saying today is, what we're going to talk about is the actual path to the most important status, and it's not what the world would say. In fact, it is the opposite of what the world would often say. So we start again in verse 9. Let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation. Well, what do they have to boast about? Remember, he is writing to Jewish Christians that are scattered abroad. So put yourself in their shoes for a second. A Jewish Christian, so, so you're a Jew and you're not in Israel, let alone Jerusalem. You're scattered abroad. You're in pagan societies, so you're not accepted there. But then even the Jews who would be your kindred, they're not going to accept you either because you're a professing Christian, that you follow Jesus Christ. And then you're of low economic status very oftentimes. So you have all these different things going against you. So when it says, let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, what exaltation? There isn't something coming for them. There wasn't all of a sudden just this great change. It wasn't until 1947 they even had a country. It's not some great change that's going to go on. They're still going to be under Roman rule. They're going to have all sorts of difficulties. Adolf Hitler's still coming in the future. What exaltation? What thing is lifting them up? You see, sometimes we, we assign exaltation to only earthly things. When I think of really the American dream, we think that elevation only has to do with success on the earth. I... Uh, uh, trying to think about our culture, and uh, I thought about the movie Aladdin. I don't, I'm sure most of you have seen it, maybe not, but, but Aladdin in this movie I think is a good picture of how sometimes we've, we've just kind of been conditioned to think about success. So in this movie Aladdin, this young guy who comes from nothing, and uh, he's this diamond in the rough, and of course they're meaning that it's his character, his integrity, things like that, that those are the things that really matter. And, and he gets to this end where he had been granted wishes, and he got all this wealth and all this power and all this fame and all this stuff, and at the end he figures out, oh, it actually was my character that meant something all along, and so he's willing to give up all this status. But then, if you remember the end of the movie, because his character shined through, he ends up getting the girl anyway. He ends up getting the the princess and, and becoming a leader in this empire and getting the palaces. So he got the princess and the power uh, palace anyway. And the power, the authority, the fame, he got all that anyway. 
Now, here's what you didn't see at the end of Aladdin. You didn't see him uh, coming to this conclusion. It really actually is about um, really my character mainly. And so he went back to his poverty and lived in that and was just fine with his character. You see, in, even in a movie in our culture where there's this person that we're saying the character is the thing that matters the most, his reward in the end is still earthly exaltation. Now, I'm not saying that is a bad thing or a bad moral lesson for him to have character, and I'm not saying that good character never uh, provides earthly success. I'm not saying any of those things. I'm saying when we think of exaltation, we almost exclusively think of earthly exaltation. But that's not what's coming for them. When he says, let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation, he's not saying wealth is coming to you. He's not saying you're going to get the princess in the palace. You're going to get the job. You're going to get the car. You're going to get the title. You're going to get the success, the fame. That's not what he's saying to them. In fact, he's saying one of two things. The first one is what he's already addressed in verse 2. Look at verse 2 with me. Consider it a great joy my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Here is one way that they can be exalted here on earth, is as they go through trials, they can let endurance have its work so that they can have maturity, be complete in the faith. They can lack nothing spiritually. He's not saying you won't be hungry, but lack nothing spiritually. And you could have joy in a trial. And he's saying boast in that exaltation. Boast in being lifted up in that way. Now that may not sound as appetizing to you. Because when we think of exaltation, we think of earthly exaltation. There's another exaltation that is coming to these individuals, those who know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that one day when they die or the Lord returns, one day everybody who knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior will be glorified, given a glorified body, will inherit the kingdom of heaven, will be uh, princes and uh, princesses. I mean, we'll be, we'll be heirs to the throne. We'll be, we'll be a royal priesthood, a holy nation. We'll be in heaven with the Lord God. There's an exaltation. But you notice what neither of those are. They're not in earthly riches. They're, they're not status. They're not fame. They're not the, the perfect spouse. They're not the perfect kids, the perfect degree, the perfect title. They're not any of those things. And yet he says, let the brother of humble circumstances boast in his exaltation. For either of those circumstances, the, the status is delayed. That's the first note on your notes, on your bulletin. For the humble, status is delayed. Now again, I'm not saying that you can't achieve any success in this world. I hope you work hard. I hope your family is happy and healthy and whole. I hope all those things for you. But what I'm saying is even when circumstances are bad, there is a true status that you can inherit. The true status of being a child of God is the thing to look for. Because if we put any of these other things as the status, then what we've done is we've created an idol in our heart. And I wonder if that's you. I wonder if today there is something that you've just been discontent with life because you've been wanting some sort of status. Money, recognition, job, spouse, kids, whatever it is. I don't know what's in your heart right now, but I wonder if there's anyone here today that has been wrestling with status and been discontent in life because of a lack of status. Or maybe there's someone here today who has had status and they've rested in it too much which is the next thing he's going to talk about. So for the humble, 
status is delayed. Either it's going to take time through a trial where you trust in God and He exalts you in a way that is spiritual exaltation, meaning He grows you in the faith, or it's the ultimate exaltation when we are given glorified bodies in heaven. So then look at verse 10. Verse 10 says this, But let the rich boast in his humiliation, because he will pass away like a flower of the field. That one's not as fun, is it? That's not as, that's not as happy of a, a verse in there. Let the rich boast in his humiliation. Now, when this says a rich person, it's, it's not telling us whether or not this is a rich Christian. Um, if it's talking about a rich Christian, then it could be sending a similar message that he's saying to the poor Christians that you're going to have the same type of, of experience going through a trial because of your faith, and so you can grow through that. However, growing through that, you're going to have to go through humiliation because in an earthly sense, you were prosperous, and now in an earthly sense, you'll be brought down. So boast in that humiliation. So it could be saying that. Now, based on the context of James, though, I think they were dealing with some very evil, rich people. You'll see it as we get to to chapter 5. So this is not a book against wealth. I do believe it is a book against people who were very evil in their wealth, that they held it in deceitful ways and in oppressive ways. So I think he's talking about those type of people. So he says, verse 10, let the rich boast in his humiliation because he will pass away like a flower of the field. So we have some people that maybe don't have a status and they wish they did, but then there's other people who have a status and sometimes they rest in that and feel like they've made it. Maybe you do have the title. Maybe you do have the job, the spouse, the perfect kids, at least on the outside it seems like that. They have the perfect degree. They have all these things. It's all the status you could ever want, and so you've rested in that. And to that person, this is a warning. Let the rich boast in his humiliation. And there are at least four ways that earthly riches can humiliate. So the first one is this. Earthly wealth can't protect us. Earthly wealth can't protect us. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 11 says this. The wealth of the rich is his fortified city. In his imagination, it is like a high wall. The wealth of the rich is his fortified city. In his imagination, it is like a high wall. I've uh, preached on how we should approach wealth before and then cautions uh, against it, not in this church. And I always have a thought that comes to my mind, and I really wish God would give me a different thought because I always wonder how it's going to be received. I'll just say the, uh, the first service today, they received it pretty well, so we'll see if you're classier than them or not. And it's always possible you're not, so we'll see. <laughs> so everybody has their own fears, right? I, I have a specific fear of dying. <laughs> Not really a fear like I'm afraid it's going to happen. I'm just like, man, that'd be an awful way to go. And it is choking on hot dogs. <laughs> Nobody saw that coming, did you? It gets some people every single year. So I've always thought that, hey, if I know the time is near, this is what I've told my kids. What I want to do, I want to go out in a blaze of glory. And I don't mean like with guns and things. I mean like let's go find a high cliff, set the car on fire, and let's go off. Like that, that's like a movie ending, right? That's, I know y'all are learning way too much about your pastor and his maturity. Give me that one. Don't give me the choke on hot dog thing, God. Like, please, please. So here's why it pops in my mind. I'm sure we have some Cardinal fans uh, in here today. A couple of you. Like, half the audience was like, yeah, last year we were, but not this year. 
So let's say that one of you gets this earthly status. You have all the wealth that you could ever want, and you go buy the St. Louis Cardinals. And like, man, talk about a status move in this area. You're like, yeah, actually, I own the Cardinals. Like, that stadium, that's my stadium, right? What an earthly status moment. And so you're, you're up there, you're in your box seat, and, and you just feel like you're in this, as it says, a fortified city. But it says there's wealth in this in Proverbs 18:11. It says, in his imagination, it is like a high wall. I've always pictured this. You could be the richest man in the world sitting in a stadium that you own, and you could die choking on a hot dog. <laughs> you all didn't know the analogy was going there, did you? <laughs> it's, it's, I told you, told you, I've always, like, ask God. God, give me a different analogy. I need one because that one's awkward. But what I'm trying to say is that we're not promised the next second. If you were the most successful person in the world, bought the sports team or whatever you wanted, you still are not promised the next second. In your imagination, your wealth is a fortified city, a fortified wall. It's actually nothing. It could be taken like that because earthly wealth can't protect us. The second one, the second way that earthly riches can humiliate is earthly wealth is not true riches. Revelation chapter 3, this is a pretty famous few verses. You may recognize it. And usually we focus on verses 15 and 16. I'm going to read those, but today I'm going to really emphasize verse 17. So verse 15 says this, talking to the church of Laodicea, I know your works that you are neither cold nor hot. I wish you were hot, or wish you were cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I am going to vomit you out of my mouth. And I apologize for a sermon that has both vomit and choking on hot dogs. <laughs> Y'all are laughing as, at least as much as the first hour, so just as classy, in case you're worried. Verse 17, this is the one that I want to emphasize. For you say, I'm rich. I've become wealthy and need nothing. And you don't realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. Now, how could he say that about them? People who feel rich, wealthy, and have need of nothing. It's because they're spiritually bankrupt. Earthly wealth is not true riches. You can have all the status in the world. You could be that owner of the cardinals or whatever you want to own. You could, you could have the seemingly perfect life. You could have great power, great fame, all those things. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and live for him, then you have nothing that lasts. You have a castle made of sand. You have nothing that actually matters. But if you have Jesus Christ, you have everything. The third way that they can humiliate is craving earthly wealth can destroy you. So not only can it not protect you, not only is earthly wealth not real wealth, but crave, craving earthly wealth can destroy you. First Timothy chapter 6, verse 7 through 10 says this, For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. I wonder if you've felt that. Content with what you have. If we have food and clothing, we will be content with these. Verse 9. But those who want to be rich fall into a temptation, a trap, and many foolish and harmful desires which plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And by craving it, some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. I'm not saying wealth is bad at all. In fact, I hope I've made that clear. I think you should work really hard. I'm going to read a verse on that in a second. I think you should be a good steward of your finances. What I think you should avoid doing is making any type of status an idol. 
Because as you chase those things instead of God, this gives us a warning that we can be pierced with many griefs. The earthly wealth, it can destroy us as we pursue it. In fact, it said here in 1 Timothy, it said that some have walked away from the faith because of that. Well, how did they do that? Because they had an idol in their heart. Maybe it was popularity, power, riches, something, some sort of status in their heart, and they chased that instead of God, and they walked away from the faith because they were chasing something that was temporary, that would never last, that could never satisfy, could not protect them. They chased that thing instead of God, and what they found was grief and not satisfaction, because craving earthly wealth can destroy you. And the last one is earthly riches are temporary. So look now back at the book of James chapter 1 and look at verse 11. I'll read verse 10 again as well. But let the rich boast in his humiliation because he will pass away like a flower of the field. For the sun rises and together with the scorching wind dries up the grass. Its flower falls off and its beautiful appearance perishes. In the same way, the rich person will wither away while pursuing his activities. This is not a sermon against wealth. I hope you're prosperous. I just hope you're not idolatrous. I hope that God blesses your family in earthly ways. I hope that, but I hope that you love the Creator more than the creation. In fact, Scripture tells us we should work. 1 Thessalonians, I just picked one of them. I could, I could have picked lots of verses, but 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 11 through 12 says, Seek to lead a quiet life, to mind your own business, and to work with your own hands as we have commanded you so that you may behave properly in the presence of outsiders and not be dependent on anyone. It is godly to work. It's godly to pay workers. The worker is worthy of their wages. That's in Scripture. It's godly to work so that you have something to give. That's in Scripture too. It's a, wealth is not the evil thing. It is the love of wealth. It is the idolatry of status that says, if I had this, fill in your own blank, I would be satisfied. I would be happy. I just need this. Or because I have this, I have all I need and I don't need God. And he would say, you don't realize you're wretched, poor, and all those things. You need God. So I'm going to conclude with this verse or this passage from Jeremiah 9. This is what the Lord says. The wise person should not boast in his wisdom. The strong should not boast in his strength. The wealthy should not boast in his wealth. But the one who boasts should boast in this, that he understands and knows me, that I am the Lord showing faithful love, justice, and righteousness on the earth, for I delight in these things. This is the Lord's declaration. Seek the Lord. So what do you do with all of this? There's probably someone here today who is not a Christian, meaning you're not a follower of Christ. You've never given your life to him. And what I would just say to you is this, that means every single other thing that you have centered your life around is a temporary thing. If you don't have Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you have invested everything else about yourself, and maybe it's popularity, maybe it's wealth, maybe it's any of the things I've mentioned, maybe it's something else. You've invested every single other thing into something that is temporary. So here's what I would offer you today. I offer you the gospel of Jesus Christ. The picture in Scripture is this, is that you are separated from God because of your sins. And if you stay separated from Him, you will spend eternity in a real place called hell. But Jesus Christ paid the penalty for you. He died for your sins. You can be saved. Today, I ask you to make the most important investment you could ever make 
And that is to trust Jesus Christ as your Lord and your Savior so that you can have real status as a child of God. In a second, we're going to have our pastors come forward to the Next Steps tables over to the side, and they're going to be there. If you want to pray to receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I pray today is that day. They'll be up there as well for anything else. If someone wants to take a step of baptism or wants to know how to be a member of the church, or maybe just have questions, or maybe you need prayer, those tables are for you. I pray that you'll go up either at the end of the service or after the service to talk to a pastor or pray with a pastor. But what about Christians? If your circumstances are humble and you've dealt with difficulties, rejoice in the things that are important to God. That through those trials, he can grow your faith. That he'll exalt you. But by exalting you, it means growing your faith. Growing to be complete in him. Or rejoice in the end exaltation that we'll all receive who know Jesus Christ, which is being glorified by him in the resurrection. I'm not saying don't pursue to improve your life. Do those things. Work hard. Be responsible. Be a good steward. Work so that you have something to give. All those things are fine. What I'm saying is let the Lord have your heart and nothing else. So I'm going to pray in a second, and then we're going to have a time of prayer and decision. And, and so we're going to pray today. I'm asking you to pray with me for spiritual wealth, spiritual wealth, that God will bless you with the things like joy and peace and holiness and faith, and he'll bless your family with those things. So you can join me down here to pray, or you can pray from your seat. But if you're a Christian here today, I ask you to join me in praying for those things. Let's go to God in prayer.